Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unabridged. Today, we have a special episode for you. This is our our Get to Know the Hosts episode. We wanted to take a moment to thank everyone for participating this summer in our Reader's Choice voting. We ended up with a great choice of I Am, I Am, I Am by Maggie O'Farrell. I'm looking to Jen because I was like, I I just realized I made a mistake. I don't know her last name. (laughs) And we also wanted to uh, thank you for participating in our reading challenge and taking photos and tagging us. We really enjoyed seeing all of that. And then also your questions. And today we're going to answer a few questions. I will pose the questions and we will answer them. And a lot of them have to do with things about reading and then some non-bookish things too. So before we get started, we wanted to remind you again to rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That is the single easiest way that you can help the podcast and help people find us. So without further ado, let's start the questions. (laughs) The first question, Jen, I'm going to come to you first, is what was your favorite book to teach? Hmm. Of course, my brain goes to a million books. As you guys know, (laughs) I always have narrowing problems. I will say, so one of the books that was sort of a when I was still in the classroom full time, it was kind of a late addition was A.S. King's Everybody Sees the Ants. And that is a young adult novel. So I enjoyed it. It took me a while to get around to teaching young adult novels whole class. So I really enjoyed teaching that with students. It has a lot of ambiguity within that I thought was interesting for class discussion. And I thought it appealed to wide audiences so that book is about what's about a lot of things of course as all good books are but there's a boy at its center who has been bullied relentlessly for years by this other child and you see the way um his family has tried to help him his parents have tried to help him and just nothing anyone has done has made the situation better and then intertwined within that is the story of his grandfather who was a POW during Vietnam and he dreams about him almost every night and there's this element I don't know I I used to talk with students about whether it was magical realism so it's potentially magical realism there are other possible explanations for what is happening but there's some Again, there's some ambiguity, so it was great for discussion because you got students to express their opinions and have to back it up with details from the book. So that one I thought really paid off. Ashley and I actually co-taught or co-planned a unit around that for our English 11 class that I thought went really well. Yeah, I would, one of the things that surprised us when we decided to do that book is we let kids vote on social issues, so we mm-hmm. gave them 
about 15 different issues to choose from or maybe the list was longer anyway it was an extensive list Mm -hmm. and they were able to choose the issues that mattered the most to them and overwhelmingly bullying was Mm -hmm. the top choice and I think in some ways that surprised me I think that because often when adults try to bring up bullying kids shy away from talking about it which makes me think or made me think wrongly that that meant they didn't want Mm -hmm. to discuss it and then for that to be the top issue and they knew that we were choosing things that we would then pursue as a class and so that was really illuminating Mm -hmm. to me and there are some great books out there that address bullying in a way that is realistic and accessible and that enables kids to talk about it and so yeah I thought that was a great Mm -hmm. choice for a lot of reasons but that was one of the things I enjoyed is just that it had a very realistic depiction Mm -hmm. of what that is like both for the kid and also for the for the adults involved and how complex those issues are. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we did that one. So we did that with with English 11, and then I also did it with some upper-level classes. So I thought it really worked well at multiple levels and multiple depths of analysis. Anyway, that was a, a very long answer, Sarah. <laughs> that was the one I'm going to have a buzzer head. and say ding, <laughs> <Yeah>. ding. <laughs> Speed round. Ashley, what is your favorite book to teach? I agree with Jenna. This is a hard question. <laughs> um, because, you know, I want to talk about different preps and different right. levels of kids and what works best for those kids. But I am going to stick with my choice. I think that overall, the one I've enjoyed teaching the most is Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. And I think one of the reasons that I enjoyed, so I read that as a high school student. I read it again in a lit class in college. And then I had the joy of teaching it. And I think that that is one of the only books that I have experienced on both sides. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was really helpful because my professor in college was an amazing professor. And so I already had this really great, and I had, you know, I had written analytical papers about it. I mean, I felt like I, it's one of the few books that I had studied as a student and felt like I really, it's that book has always spoken to me, but each time I've read it, it's spoken to me in a different way. Mm -hmm. But I also just loved having experienced it as a student and then having the joy of getting to share that with my own students and watch them and their discovery of the book. But Their Eyes Were Watching God centers on Janie Crawford, who is a black woman in the South in the 1930s. And It is just a really powerful journey story of her quest to discover herself. I mean, it's very much a story of self-discovery and her interactions with men. There are three specific male interaction relationships that she gets into that help her learn about herself. And And it's a journey deeper south. So she's actually physically journeying as well. And it just covers so many issues. I mean, it does a lot to illuminate the Jim Crow South. It also hits on a historical hurricane that happened at the time and the way that that impacted the impoverished community in Florida. And I just think it is a phenomenal story. And so I, um, if I had to choose one, I think that that is a good one to choose because I just admire her so much as a character. I love and admire Zora Neale Hurston as a writer. And, and I love all the story also of Alice Walker and her resurrecting in a lot of ways Zora mm-hmm. Neale Hurston's stories and finding her grave and marking her. I mean, I think just the idea that we can honor others through our own choices and that, that, amazing literature can go un, undiscovered and unnoticed by the literary community for such a long time until it takes another really powerful writer who 
people, you know, she commands people to listen to her. And then she brings about this resurrection of their eyes were watching God, which is just such an amazing story. And it has become a big part of the um, canonical works Mm -hmm. in high school. And I think that's awesome. So, yeah, I love that one. That one, you made me read that one. That was one I had read a long time ago and liked. And then I read it again after I followed Ashley teaching AP Lit at our high school I read it again and loved it. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it, yeah. Just on this sentence level. Yeah, It is right. absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, and gorgeous then, writing and yeah. then just amazing characters and um, great discussions about, the, you know, the thematic yeah. discussions. My students come, really enjoyed it too. Yeah, that was that was popular. That's a good one. Yeah. I haven't read either of those. Add it to your TBR. So. Yes. <laughs> I, do have, I do have a gorgeous version of Their Eyes Were Watching God that I plan to read. Uh-huh. In all your spare time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my favorite book to teach, I taught middle school. So it's a bit different in terms of what I had the ability to teach. Mm -hmm. But I think I've already talked about this at length on the podcast. (laughs) But my favorite book to teach was The Outsiders by Mm -hmm. S.E. Hinton. This book is, I I probably taught it like 27 times for every class of eighth graders that I ever taught because it was part of our eighth grade curriculum. But what I found with this book is that there was a character for some, for almost every student to grab on to. And what I really liked was the commentary on what it makes to be a family and that you can create a family in different ways. And I think that's really important for kids to to hear and to learn about and know that you don't have to be related by blood to be a, be a family Mm -hmm. and to be part of something. And that's what I loved. And I think resonated with my students because a lot of my students were from homes that were not your traditional nuclear family or family. And it was helpful for them to know. And a lot of students created family like environments with their friends and their friends' families. And I think that that kind of validated them as contributors to a family even though it might not be the traditional sense Mm -hmm. and also i mean it's just a great story it's a great story of friendship it's a great story of classism and being impeded by your economic status and uh you know it's a great story about what it takes to be a hero and can who can be a hero Mm -hmm. and i just think it's a great iconic story for kids to read and listen to and the other thing about it is that um i think that there there is a movie made made for it and the book is so much better than the movie (laughs) so i always loved that being able to read the book with my students and then we would they were always so excited to see the movie and they watched the movie and they were like that wasn't as good as the (laughs) book and so it helped me prove my point that the that the book is almost always not always but almost always Mm -hmm. better than the book Mm -hmm. better than the movie so that made that also kind of put a little cherry on top for teaching Mm -hmm. that so i really like that book it's se hinton's the outsiders and it's a great story of about these boys that create a family and it's also a great thing to talk about se hinton and how she wrote the book how why why she chose to use se hinton instead of her real name and um it just gives a lot of 
teachable moments with the book. That's so, such a good one, too. Yeah. <laughs> I've never taught that book, but I love to read that one. Yes. I love that book. Every time I read it, it just, I just love it. True so. Confessions, I've never read it. <gasps> oh, look at you guys. Just Sorry, Sarah. Your TV <laughs> and that is really short. You would get yeah. I know. I think I, and I think we have it in the classroom. So yes. So I will pick that one up. <laughs> um, so they well, all good choices. Uh, but weirdly, my, you both said it was hard for you to choose. Weirdly, mine. this was the easiest question for me. So <laughs> um, our second question is one that has nothing to do with books. And it is, what is the scariest thing you've ever done for fun? <laughs> Keep it PG, please. <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, I, I think I thought I had an answer for this, but maybe I don't. So... I don't know that I'd say this is scary, but it was definitely challenging. Uh, I, when I lived in Kentucky, got roped into doing a marathon, and which is 26.2 miles, folks, and that's a long way to run. And I got roped into that, and it was really fun, but also really challenging. It's, just, it's really mentally challenging, I think, because it's something that you have to kind of convince yourself that you can do, um, and so that made it challenging and and it's and it is a scary journey to go down and then I think also when you just it like like anything if you decide to do something then trying to get through the process to get to Mm -hmm. the thing can be really scary because I think it there's a lot of self-doubt involved and convincing yourself to get from point a to point b can be really hard so i think that was a scary slash challenging thing that i did that i'm really thankful that i did i do not know that i will do another one (laughs) but i'm glad i did it because a lot of times since then when things have been hard i have told myself i did this thing and (laughs) i you know thought i couldn't do it and and i was able to and so it has helped bolster me when other things are challenging so mine is uh, first i should say i am not a good singer and I, I would love to be able to be a good singer, but I am ju- I'm just not. This is something I had to reconcile myself <laughs> to a long, long time ago in elementary school when my mother advised me not to try out for chorus because I wouldn't make it because I really couldn't sing well. Painful parenting moments, painful children moments anyway. <laughs> but when I was still at my high school, there was another English teacher who retired and her dream had always been to direct the play um, Dylan Thomas's Under Milkwood. And she really wanted me and another colleague to be a part of it, which I thought was great. I've been in and around theater a lot, and I really enjoy it. I'm not a great actress either, but I, I can I can be on stage, and it's okay. But I didn't realize that I had one with my colleague of the only two singing parts in the entire play, and that I would have to <laughs> sing a cappella. And so when my friend asked me to audition, I said, I would love to, but I, I cannot sing. And so that's not a great idea. And she thought I was being artificially humble. And so cast me without ever having heard me sing. And she told me later <laughs> that on our first rehearsal night when I sang, she wondered what she had done. <laughs> and so I got lessons and I practiced and I had the mu- the what the tune was supposed to sound like recorded on a tape that I would listen to every day on the way to and from work and I would practice singing it with the music accompanying me and then I would practice on my own I was never great but I was passable and so I got up and I did it oh my gosh and one night a bunch of my students who were very sweet and supportive came and sat on the front row of this very very small intimate theater oh and the other thing was my singing character so I play three characters in the play my 
the singing character was a woman who had she sang about having sex with a lot of different men <laughs> and was pregnant. And so I'm looking out at this front row of students <laughs> seeing me sing poorly. They were all great singers in the musical. Sing poorly and be pregnant and yeah. It it was it was it was an experience. But anyway, that was that was probably the bravest thing I've ever done. Scariest thing I've ever done, both. <laughs> oh my goodness I can't imagine I don't think I could uh, that I could take enough singing lessons to make me even passable <laughs> uh, I, I don't know that I ever reached that point either but I did it anyway <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm having I'm having chest pain just thinking about it <laughs> maybe we could talk about humiliation <laughs> also causes some, some anxiety yeah so Sarah what's yours well so I, I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie, so I like to do things that might be determined scary for fun. Like, I like that type of thing. Like, I would do bungee jumping. I would do skydiving. I would do that type of stuff. So I don't know that I would call it scary, but the thing that I did that maybe some people would find scary is actually, and I drug my family to do it too, is I signed us up to do this uh, treetop adventure called Go Ape. And it's 28 feet in the air and you put on harnesses and then you do all the, it's kind of like a ropes course, but you are very high up and, um, there's at times there's nothing on the side of you. And even though you're in a harness, you still have that feeling that, oh my gosh, I'm going to pummel to my death. Mm -hmm. But I find that kind of stuff exhilarating and it's physically <laughs> challenging, which I love physical challenges. And actually, um, my my daughter was five when we did it and she did it and she got scared one time and she did the, it is a two hour course. So uh, that's probably one of the, the scariest mm -hmm. things that I've, that people would think might be scary. I would think that would be scary. I, but I love that stuff. So I didn't find it scary. I found it exhilarating. That is scary so. for clumsy people. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, like Sarah said, I think it's part, I mean, part of that's what some people find appealing, but part of it is that, rush mm -hmm. feeling of being up high yes and having the yeah having, it, there is a feeling that it's kind of like rock climbing yep. like i would do that i like, like all that yeah stuff. i yeah. like and i like i like Light. things like that i don't know now i feel like i, I sit on the couch you know? <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah that's true I, I used to do all those things yeah well and i just like those things that are coupled like it's something exhilarating like that also coupled with exercise and physical challenges yeah. those that is mm -hmm. my total cup of tea so I find that like it's just like tough mutters and mud races and all those types of things that other people were like you're nuts. I love that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's mine. <laughs> oh, this is a good lead in for me at least. <laughs> but um, what are some of your favorite non-bookish hobbies? Do you want to take it first? Sure, I'll go first this time because since it kind of goes, it kind of goes right into what. Mm -hmm. I was talking about so some of my favorite non-bookish hobbies i love doing physical challenges i really i enjoy working out and lifting weights and so i mean when i can i like to work out and do things that are physical i find that i find, i just feel so much better when i do so that's one thing and then my other thing though that we usually talk about on the podcast is i love to watch movies i don't get to do it as often as i 
used to. I used to know every movie, have watched every movie that comes out. But once I had children, that <laughs> slowed down significantly. <laughs> so it's been about 11 years. But I try to watch the things that I really want to see. I try to watch in the theater. I love the whole theater going experience. I love the popcorn and sitting in the dark and watching. I like that experience of watching a movie mm-hmm. together. I think that the, I think the reason I enjoy it now so much is that you that we don't really have that communal watching experiences that we used to like mm-hmm. when I was growing up my whole family would sit and watch like full house on Friday nights but you don't really do that because you can watch on demand yeah. and you don't have that that group watching experience Mm -hmm. so i think that's why i enjoy going to the movies and getting the reactions of the people that i'm going with even if even if it's somebody i don't know so those are my those are probably my two biggest hobbies right now well i'll jump in and say yeah that that's i like to consume all things so i read a lot (laughs) but i also watch a lot there's a lot of tv that i watch and a lot of movies that i watch and i love to know about them my husband and i are both big movie buffs and we always used to watch all of the oscar nominees and we would have a big Oscar party and everybody would pick their choices and we had a pool. We still do the pool, but the party has become more difficult as <laughs> our kids have gotten older and we definitely do not see all of the Oscar nominees anymore. But yeah, I love just knowing about that and having these conversations. A lot of it appeals to me in the same way mm-hmm. that reading does and that having those conversations appeals to me. And I agree. There's something about that communal experience like when we're trying to limit our boys' screen time, for me, that doesn't count. Like if we're watching a movie together, right. I feel like that is different from that independent, oh, we're all going to do our own thing because there is something about the conversation and just having that as a common experience mm-hmm. that's, that's different. I agree. Yeah. They're both looking at me. It's my <laughs> Actually, it's, it's your my turn, Ashley. Um, so <laughs> I, I really like to do things outside and – I love swimming. I love kayaking. I like still water kayaking. I don't do the rolling in the white water anymore. But when Sarah was saying that about the adrenaline junkie, I was like, I guess that I've never thought of myself that way. But I, I used to do, I did a white, I was a white water rafting guide and I did a high ropes course and did people on the rappelling wall with 60 feet. And I remember people would get up there and sometimes could not get back down. <laughs> and so, uh, like you said, not everybody finds that scary, but for some people it's really paralyzing. And I like doing a lot of those outdoor things. My oldest child is five. And so a lot of that has shifted as we've had kids, but we're getting to the point now where our kids are able to do a lot of the things that we enjoy. So that's been fun. Uh, like we are looking at bouldering places in our area and things like that. So I think that some of the stuff that we've kind of taken a break from, we will probably be picking back up as the girls get a little bit older. And so that's been fun. But yeah, that's, I would say that that's my main thing that I like to do. I like to be outside. Like Sarah said, I also really like to exercise. I kind of have to make myself do it. It's hard for me to get started, but I really enjoy I mean, like I said about the marathon, I mean, I enjoy training for a goal. So I think it's, I'm very goal oriented in general. That's why the podcast has been great for my reading life, because it helps <laughs> me to have concrete goals that, and some accountability to work toward them. And then when I have that, I find that really satisfying. So I think a lot of times, like, exercise just by itself going to the gym or whatever it's hard for me to make myself do it but then when I do I really reap the benefits of that and enjoy it I love yoga 
uh, like I like running and then like I said I like swimming and that's been swimming has been really fun with our kids and watching them learn to swim all of that has just been really great so I think as a family that's something that we spend a lot of time doing is mm-hmm. just being outside and finding different outdoor fun activities that we can do we go to a lot of parks and spend our time that way so that's probably my main thing I am totally on the opposite end of the spectrum as far as the movie watching and pop culture stuff that is like not my hobby Mm -hmm. so when our friends are all talking I'm always very trying to just very discreetly google on my phone (laughs) so so that I can see the person and then be like oh yeah I do know who that is and then five minutes later join belatedly into the conversation (laughs) so Okay, so I, I think we've gone a little longer than we normally do on our shorts. We're gonna ask, I'm gonna ask one more question and this is just gonna be like quick, quick one. Um, the last one is, what is your favorite non-bookish podcast, sorry, <laughs> podcast or social media follow? Uh, I really, oh. <laughs> I, I think I'm supposed to go. I really love, there's an Instagram account, Simple-ish Living, and I really love that account. And she is just a really awesome person who is always trying to make life choices that I, I've just learned a lot about consumption and ways to make some good environmental choices from her account. I love her ideas and I find that I read her posts really frequently on Instagram. This is hard because as has become apparent, I am a big consumer of all things, including lots and lots of podcasts. But I will say one that has been really great for me recently is Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History. Um, I've talked on other episodes about I just enjoy the way he develops his thoughts and his arguments. And it's it's sort of gradually paced and this gradual build to something that then makes complete sense to me, even though I never would have arrived there on my own. So Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history, the current season is really good. Hands down. My favorite non-bookish podcast is the Popcast, which we talk about all the time. It's great. It's, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm a Patreon supporter of that, of that podcast. I love what they put out and I love pop culture and they are hilarious. So that's by far my favorite podcast. And I really like Jamie B. Golden, who is one of the hosts. She is a great Instagram follower. I mean, sorry, a great Instagram follow. <laughs> so those are my top two. That's what I want to cheat and add one podcast. Uh, I really love this is a kids podcast called Tumble. And it oh. is great. We oh, have really think. enjoyed that this summer. And it's really science focused, but it's just fascinating, in-depth information that my five-year-old thoroughly enjoyed but that we also really liked this summer i have several but i, I know we're trying to narrow to one but <laughs> when y'all both did a podcast i thought that was a great discovery this summer yep great well i th- think or hope that you got to know us just a little bit better from this podcast we want to go ahead and remind you again one more time to please rate review and subscribe to our podcast and we thank you for listening see you next time Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged. Unabridged.